Hello, welcome back to the Mr. Arsenal podcast for the match preview of the last group game, uh, PSV versus uh, Arsenal, match day six. Um, James Vogue will be joining me, he's just joining me back, so I'm going to bring him in in a second. Um, but yeah, doing a, we're doing a match, instead of doing going back on Sunday, and what's Sunday, Saturday, sorry, and reliving all that malarkey, we're, going, we're just going to focus on tomorrow's game and then kick on from there. And without any further ado, we're going to bring in James. How are you doing, James? Very well, thank you. The mail ended up in my spam. I have no idea why. It doesn't normally. So, uh, something to keep an eye on. But uh, great to catch up after what's been a while. And, uh, yeah, look forward to previewing PSV and uh, one eye on the draw as well next uh, next yeah. week. And uh, exciting times. Yeah, group winners as well. So, again, um, as I say, we are playing PSV tomorrow in Eindhoven. A year a year one for playing playing them in the Europa League when it was a was it, it was a shootout pretty much for at the yeah. time top spot wasn't it pretty much uh, pretty much but we also underestimated them last year yeah and they did really well I was at that game and uh, yeah it was uh, it was really strange to be speaking to the stewards in their mother tongue in the away end because they didn't expect it so <laughs> they treated me really well the PSV stewards that night so I can't speak highly enough of them. And uh, because the last thing they expected at the away end in Eindhoven was to hear someone speaking their mother tongue. But um, every step of the way, I was telling them, no, I'm James, I live in Amsterdam, but my team's playing here tonight. So I couldn't not come. And uh, yeah, that's it's great. And, um, you know, a, a nice experience, even though we lost. But um, I won't be there tomorrow because it's always about... Um, giving your fellow fan an opportunity and uh, I've been so fortunate Ryan with games from Amsterdam through the years and you know a third of which have been European games you know so uh, with the uh, with the draw for um, with the draw for um, the uh, last 16 you know I'm going to be quite selective you know everything I've done before I will not be doing again but uh, should we draw a, a Real Sociedad or a Leipzig and then, uh, or Galatasaray then wild horses wouldn't keep me away but uh, it's a win-win situation you know if, if we draw uh, one that I fancy I'm going to try my very best if we don't then it's an opportunity to give your fellow fan um, that European night which I've been so lucky to have on I think 33 occasions in my life as an Arsenal fan so um very grateful. So, um, just pleased we topped the group as well. And um, also the dynamic of the last 16, Ryan. You know, the, the last 16, is, there's no away goals, which we've succumbed to against Bayern Munich mm. and Monaco in the past. Um, second legs at home, you know, which will also be new for us. I think the last time we had that was, I think, 2012, when we just lost out to AC Milan. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was at that game as well. And... Um, I think it'll be really interesting, but we've got to take every opponent seriously and you can't, yeah. you know, I remember being at a couple of games this season and, uh, you know, people saying, oh, we can be playing in the Champions League. You know, it doesn't matter who you get, it's going to be a tough game. And I, I was speaking to Alex on Cannon Fodder earlier where I said, you know, it pains me to say it as an Arsenal fan, but given Arsenal's European record in general, do you really think that any of the potential opponents that are going to face Arsenal in the draw next next Monday, do you think they're going to be scared? No, I don't think not, they're going to be scared. Our, not of our European record, no. No. If they've been brutally honest, yeah. of our European they've record. Nothing, they've got nothing to be scared of. And that's our, that's our own fault due to attitude. I mean, I remember being outside the turnstile at the Monaco game. Um, mm. and having someone behind me saying, I oh, will beat this mob 4-0 tonight. And I turned around and said to him, I said, you are aware that they've... Um, They're walking the fully gun at the time. <laughs> yeah, they, they topped a group with uh, Bayer Leverkusen, Zenith St. Petersburg and Benfica. I said, obviously a good side. They had the likes of Carrasco, Berbatov, uh, Subasic, Abdenor. You know, we were awful that night, but they remain one of the best European teams I've seen at the Emirates. I mean, without doubt, Bayern is the greatest European team I've seen at the Emirates. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, you mentioned um, it last time, yeah. Yeah, in the 2013, they just, they just overpowered us. You know, Mansukic and Müller and Neuer and, you know, Van Boyten and... Um, um, you know, Ian Robin and... Uh, yeah, Ian Robin and he came on. He was on the bench. He started. He didn't even make the starting lineup. That's how strong they were. 
and we lost we lost three one and then eventually went out on a, on away goals. But um, you know, just um, fantastic memories, win, lose or draw. You know, because uh, I mean, I, I love my European football and delighted to have achieved so much. But um, this season as well at Lons, a, a massive uh, favour was done to me by a very good friend. So I'm extremely grateful. But I, again, we, we've spoken about the attitude in Europe, Ryan. Um, before kickoff, um, a guy a couple of seats down said to me, "Oh, United have drew," and I said, "Yeah, but they've won it three times." Do you know what yeah. the response was? That was no. years ago. I said, "That's not the point." It's still, won it history. Three... it's still part of the history. Yeah, it's not the point. They've won it three times. We've had twenty-five bites of a cherry, and mm. this is our last chance. Because I really, I really don't think that people understand how the dynamics will change next season. Uh, it will go to a league format. It will be a super league in everything but name. There will be group phase. There will be group match days from September through to January. Oh, so God. if you think if you think if you think managers are moaning now, what are you going to do next January if you're in the FA Cup fourth round and the League Cup last and the League Cup semi final and the midweek game in which traditionally is played in January in England? What are you going to do, what are you going to do then? And and also as well, it's it's four groups of it's four groups of of nine. So you're you're drawn against uh, eight other teams where you have four games at home or four games away, which range from mm. September through to January. Now, in the past, we've been fortunate in European games to be able to pick our games due to commitments or what you fancy or what you like. And we met up at a fair few European games, which has been mm. fantastic. Um, next season... You might get Leipzig and you'll be, oh, I've always wanted to go to Leipzig. Well, you can't because you're playing them at home. Oh, I've always wanted to go to the Bernabeu. Well, you can't because you're playing them at home. So you haven't got the choice of being able to do what you used to do, which is why Lons was so um, poetic for me, which is, mm. you know, I've seen a lot of French teams against Arsenal in the Champions League. I remember going to Auxerre in October 2002 when we lost 2-1. And uh, the uh, European games against Montpellier, uh, Monaco, Rennes in the Europa League as well. So it was quite poetic to finish with a um, with a, um, a French team. And, uh, you know, they've got some good players along. So they were unbeaten in eight, but we did really, really well. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a massive last 16 game, whoever we play. And uh, I just hope we can, we can see it through to the end. You know, I don't want to hear all this... Oh, we'll get, we'll get knocked out by Liverpool in the FA Cup and we'll win one of the two big ones. Well, that's massive mm. pressure for a, a manager that's never won anything before with his own players. That are with his own team, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. With his own, you know, and I maintain, Ryan, in, what, in any industry, who starts at the top? You don't start at the top. You start at the bottom and you work your way up to the top. And in Arteta's case... He starts his managerial career, Ryan, at the third biggest club in the whole of English football. So yep. where do you think you're going to go after that? There's two clubs bigger than us in Manchester United and Liverpool in terms of rich history and what they've won. You know, mm. and so where do you think you're going to go after that? You know, the Arsenal job should be a coveted job. It should be a job that everybody wants. You know, we're not, we're not a charity, but we, yeah. we, we seem to be more preoccupied with... Uh, and new kit launches and new training launches. And it's as if they're trying to fleece um, fans dry. I mean, I've, I've, been on, I've, been on, I've been on this channel many times speaking about European football. I haven't brought any shirt for the last 15 seasons. It's, it, all it takes is a little bit of willpower. But I will always, because it's something very important to me, any football game I go to, specifically Arsenal, I will always get a programme. Because it's a memory where at different stages in your life when you might not go to football anymore, you can look back and read about a game and all your memories come flooding back. I, my my programme collection is the centrepiece of my front room. I had a mate of mine drop by for a couple of tea, for a cup of tea a couple of weeks back. And he walked in because they're all in binders properly, all in chronological order. And he said to me, James, that must be worth thousands. I said, yeah, but it's a sentimental value. 
I said, it's, it's my mother letting me go to Villa Park as an 18-year-old. It's my mother letting me go to um, um, Ajax away as a 19-year-old. I don't think many mothers, I don't know many mothers that would do that. And obviously that game sub subsequently changed my life because I was going to move abroad before then, but I didn't know where I was going to go. And I ended up moving here and just recently gone over the 17 and a half year threshold. But... I got out a program to show him, just a just a general one, and it was Arsenal Middlesbrough in uh, December two thousand and one, and you know we won two nil. McLaren was their manager. I think the likes of Macaroni and Chris Rigger and uh, Mark Schwartz played for them, and my ticket from Highbury was inside, and all your memories come flooding back. But in a digital age, where you know, you scan your QR code and vanishes into thin air. I've got all my hybrid tickets in my programs, and it's yeah. like they've never—it's like they've never been touched. But I always say it's like my life's work. I mean, I—I I used to do before I emigrated. I used to work overtime at W. H. Smith in the distribution centre. I would forego the domestic game on a Saturday afternoon because I was working, so, so long as I could get to the European game. You know, Schalke at home when we won 3-2 and uh, Dynamo Kiev at Wembley and um, Shakhtar Donetsk when nobody had ever heard of them. We were 2-0 mm. down and Kiev scored all right and we won 3-2. And then uh, my last European game at Highbury before I moved was um, Celta Vigo in March 2004 because I knew mm. I was coming here. So that, like, that next season, I, did, I, I was busy with the preparation to emigrate. So... You know, my last game at Highbury was the European game. You know, that's that's that was always the pedestal for me, European football. And um, you know, to think the last time I saw Arsenal win, win a European trophy was um, I was ten years old. I'm now forty. You know, so it just goes to show. And um, it's high time. And it wouldn't it, wouldn't it be typical Arsenal to uh, to win it right at the last knockings? At Wembley, because at Wembley, know, well, yeah, yeah. But, but I will say one thing, Ryan. This mm. this competition's been around since '56. Yeah, right? there's only been 23 winners, and we're not one of them. But we've had so many bites of the cherries. Like to be so disingenuous to the winners and say, "Oh, our first Champions League game was Longs." No, it wasn't. Our maiden Champions League voyage was Stronger Set in 1971. Mm. We beat Stromgesset, beat Glasshopper Schulich, and then lost to the famous Ajax side who went on to win the second of their three in a row. No shame in that. But to, to not even acknowledge the maiden voyage of a Champions League, what would they would the club have done the same thing if we'd have won it? I don't think so, somehow, do you? No, no. And then, no. as you say, we've had so many bites at the show anyway. Uh, we've, we've spoken about it before, not just 2006 itself, obviously getting to the final in Paris. And obviously, it's all going into that final itself. It was more of a, it was set up by the media, very poetic because obviously you've got some Wenger from France, obviously Henri's, um, Pires. But the majority of our, the majority of our squad was from France and it was in Paris. It was like it was built up, it's destined to happen there. Mm. Break that duck, and obviously, we all know what happened there. I, I referred to a few years prior to that when we. No, 2004, yeah, 2004. We should have won it in 2004. Yeah. 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 But Chelsea, if we, yeah. if we knocked out Chelsea the way we should have done at yeah. Highbury, yeah. Monaco, we would, I honestly think our team would have dismantled Monaco in the first leg and just just because of the strength of our team compared to them yeah. at the time. And then Porto. Yeah. Porto in the final. No, that's, that's all set, it's, it was sort of set up for us to get to there and do it there and then. Yeah, and then a couple of years prior to that, we had like Valencia. Folks, like two years, two three years in the bounce, we had Valencia in the in the last yeah in the second, in the second round of the group finals. Yeah. yeah, I mean you had two you had two group stages that season, and of the twelve games that Arsenal played, I went to seven of them. I went to all six home games, and the game here in Amsterdam, and the second group phase, we didn't win a single home game. We drew nil nil with Valencia. Went one nil up against Ajax and drew. Went one nil up against Roma and drew. And Totti got sent off for, Evo, for elbowing Martin Keown. And I, I maintain that our attitude in Europe has never really been spot on, is it? I mean, Real Madrid have won it fourteen times. Bayern Munich have won it six times. Milan have won it seven times because they don't they don't treat it as a 
public relations finance exercise. They treat it yeah. as an opportunity to win the thing. And, yeah. um, you know, I'd like to think that we're going to go close. Uh, I think we will. We've got the squad. We've got the squad. Yeah, but that that's why tomorrow is so important, Ryan, because um, obviously you're not going to rest players, but it's a collective. Mm. And if you, if you look at the potential opponents of the last 16, you know, Napoli, uh, Galatasaray, uh, potentially Leo Sociedad, who I don't want to play. I really don't. And, um, you know, it's a, these are tough places to go. So if you can get that little bit of experience by... Um, by making sure that you've got the um, the game in Eindhoven under your belt. And our record in Europe away has not been great. You know, drawing in Lisbon and um, losing in Eindhoven and drawing in Lons. And, you know, Lots so if Lons we can get well. something from tomorrow, yeah. then it will give us a, a bit of confidence going into the last 16. But one thing I will say as well is that I'm sure there's lots of Arsenal fans that are ready to go cock-a-hoop next Monday if we end up with a Copenhagen or we end up with a Shakhtar Donetsk or we end up with a Porto. But what they've got to realise is that for draws made in December, the games are not played until February and March. Hmm. So people will automatically, next Monday, they'll go, oh, um, well, so she's done a fifth. Um, Napoli are almost mid-table. Yes, at the minute they are. By the time we come to play them, they might have a managerial change, they might have brought new players, they might have improved, you know, and also you can't, you can't pick and choose who you play. Mm. You know, I mean, I, as I say, I, I, I was there when we got knocked out by Monaco. I was there when we got knocked out by um, Bayern Munich and AC Milan and um, losing to Ustersons in, uh, in, the, in the Europa League. I mean, I remember calling for Arsene Wenger's head at half-time. And I, I spoke to Graham Potter a few weeks later after that game. And I, he said that we knew that we knew that Arsenal would be really down due, due, to, the, due to the derby defeat. And uh, we just couldn't get that second goal because they had the belief that if they had have got that second goal, it would have, cha it would have changed things. And also we get the games against Atletico Madrid where they go down to 10 men and we could, we only score one goal, and that that mistake from Koscielny as well. And I mean, Griezmann is just—I've wanted him at Arsenal since his days at Real Sociedad. Mm. But but he's he's now turning. He's he's now like a hybrid, and it's, yeah. it's how on earth the man's not up for the Ballon d'Or. I don't know. I I couldn't give. I couldn't care less if Messi scores a thousand goals. Doesn't mean anything to me. Ballendor, I've said it for years, Ballendor's a popularity contest. Yeah, but it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. The fact that on, was it 2003 or 2002, Henri comes second to Pablo Nedved? Yeah, yeah. That Who ended up all. getting injured for the, for the final against Milan. He was injured yeah. for that game. I mean, I still think Milan would have won because they were the best team in Europe that, that season. Mm. I backed them to win it. At seven to one, this was the quarters. <laughs> I remember going into a bookies and putting eight pounds at seven to one on them to win it. And then when I'm watching the TV, I've just said, I turned to my mum and said, I've just won 56 quid. <laughs> she said, How'd you work that out? I said, Well, I'm back to my, I backed them with eight pounds for them to win it at seven to one when it was in the quarters. <laughs> and um, just goes to show, but um, yeah, no, Griezmann is, is definitely one of my favorite footballers. I, I think he's brilliant. I don't know if you saw his pass for um, the goal in the, um, yeah. the uh, Euro qualifiers in Amsterdam. But it, it looks it looks so simple, but it, it's just an amazing he's just an amazing footballer. And uh, yeah, I remember speaking to a player who played with him, and he said uh, Denis Solanovic. He played with him Atletico mm. Madrid when he first arrived at the club, and he said James. He said you're training hard in the heat. You're training really hard, he said, but you're also pissing your pants laughing because he's keeping everyone going. He's making funny, he's making funny jokes. He's uh, doing wisecracks. He's making, he's making fun of people, and people are, are lapping it up. And he's a, he's a great character to have in a yeah. dressing room. You, you, you would want him as your um, teammate, not just for his yeah. footballing ability. But um, what well, does off the pitch? I think, I, he's, he's one of my favourites. You know, I'm, I'm delighted to have seen him play live on many occasions. But I mean, Mark Albrighton's also one of my favourites. You know, I still think yeah. it's an absolute disgrace how the man's never been, uh, never been capped by England. I think it's an absolute disgrace. 
going popularity, um, popularity contest there. Let's yeah, not go to that one. Here, here is a winger who was as important to Leicester in their championship winning season mm. as Riyad Mahrez and Jamie Vardy. Now, I've, I've got a lot of respect for Hodgson, especially with what he's done outside of England. But I could not believe Euro 2016 and you don't take Vardy, Danny Simpson and Albright for the Euros. They've just won the league. They, they've just won the league with Leicester and they're on a massive all-time high. Are you telling me they can't do it in Europe? You're telling me you can't? You can't. Uh, but then it came to light with Vardy and Rooney and the arguments between their wives. Well, I'm sorry, this is football. Hodgson, as I say, I rate Hodgson, but he should have said to the, both players, you've got a week to sort out your differences. If you don't sort it out, I ain't picking either of you. That's that. I mean, it's, it sounds so simple, didn't it? Yeah. Sounds, sounds so. That's what I would have done. I mean, I would play I would play Vardy even now. People go, oh yeah, he's, he's championship player, but he still knows where the ball, where the goal is. I mean, how can how can you have a, a World Cup semi final against Croatia and Jamie Vardy on the bench? How can you have a Euro two thousand and twenty final? With him nowhere near the squad, because I'll go on record again and say if he was playing in one of them, we would have won a major tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, I mean, and also with Arsenal, Leicester, Leicester accepted Arsenal's bid, Brian. But I maintain Arsenal didn't work hard enough to get that deal over the line. And from what I heard was, Wenger, apparently Wenger said to Jamie Vardy, "I can't guarantee you a place in the starting lineup." You must be just, just on the league. He's just one. He's just the top scorer of England. What he should have said to Jamie Vardy was, "Jamie, as you know, we've got a huge problem in Europe. You're here to help us win more silverware, and we want you as our vocal point in Europe." And I mean, I mean, Vardy um, rightly said about the brotherhood of Leicester, and you know, fair play to his loyalty and that kind of thing. Mm. And I, I maintain that Arsenal didn't work hard enough. I mean, and then and then you had the um, sports writers the f the following season when he wasn't on great form, what, saying, what? Um, "Oh yeah, what would have happened if he would have signed for Arsenal?" Well, we wouldn't have been toothless up front. I mean, and again, he's, he's a, again he's a great character, you know. To to think he's he didn't play his first Premier League game until he's twenty seven. Mm. Most twenty seven year olds now are on the scrap heap because it's it's, it's all statistic based. And it's, it's completely wrong. You know, you've got... I mean, I, I was, um, was saying on Cannon Fodder earlier as well, it's, it's as if fans are being conditioned now, Ryan. It's as if they're being conditioned to think the same way. Well, I'm sorry, I've got a different opinion because I've seen it, I've seen it with my own eyes. I don't need to be told by an influencer uh, how good a player is. And I'm not being funny... With certain YouTubers or influencers, if I said the name Alfonso Pedraza, Ricardo Escael, or Benjamin Borisio, they would go, who they? But they are three brilliant footballers that would Im that would improve any football team. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying now. Uh, we've got a comment here that says, uh, come on, Vardy was good, but he wasn't well. We're not saying he's well. We're not going to say he's well class, but he was at the time England's he, he, best striker. He, he, yeah, well, you imagine you imagine him up front with Kane for for England. Every every defensive pairing would be bricking it. You imagine seeing a team sheet with Jake Vardy and um, Kane up front. You, you would be bricking it, wouldn't you? Because you, you'd think, what we're we going to do here. But again, we've got a manager who Southgate can tell you everything about um, LGBT. He can tell you everything about Iran and all the causes. But he can't tell you why he doesn't pick uh, Jamie Vardy, why he doesn't pick uh, Lewis Dunk or Ben Chilwell. And uh, uh, it's like with Bellingham. Be Bellingham's doing a, a great job, Ryan. He really is. He but is. People, but people forget he ain't won nothing yet. And mm -hmm. he's, no, he's no McManaman, is he? McManaman won two Champions League and two La Ligas in a team yeah. that was a damn sight harder to get into than the one that Bellingham is in now. Yeah, Zidane, Figo. I mean, look, yeah. at that, look, look back at that team. Zidane, Figo, but the original Mac Ronaldo. Yeah, but Maca's attitude, I mean, 
his biography on his time at Madrid. Any football fan watching, if you if you can, if you got a spare bit of money in your pocket at Christmas, go and order it. It's called El Maca, and it's about his time in Madrid, and it's one of the best football books I've ever read. Because if, if you're talking about going abroad, and I, I went abroad as a worker, not as a professional footballer, but your attitude is everything. You know, McManaman um, learned Spanish to the best of his ability when he wasn't playing. He accepted decisions by um, by Vicente del Bosque. He didn't moan, kick, or you know, throw his toys out of the pram. And you know, he's, he's he, an absolute joy, absolute joy to watch. You know, and I just think with Bellingham, people are getting a little bit too carried away because I'm not being funny. If he doesn't win anything this year, the pressure will be on. So I think I think some people are getting carried away a little bit. I reckon. I think it's I think it's more because of the. Obviously, local lad in Birmingham, Birmingham City came from their academy. Didn't even get played. What he played like a handful of games for his senior team. Then yeah, was Dortmund, and then but when Dortmund took him on for a few years. He'd done what he'd done, what he did, could have done there, and he wanted to move on. He's gone from there to well, like, historically one of the biggest clubs in in Europe, we've got the world. Hmm. But there's that hype there. But from what I've, I've watched him, I watched him. I watched, I watched, he plays for England. It's He's a, he's a fantastic player, but you obviously say Real Madrid is another level. He has to win stuff. He can't just yeah. go there, make it the numbers, and do, almost do a Beckham basically. Where Beckham went there for what five, six, was it five years? I think it was four. four. I think four years. Sorry, four years he went there for, mm. and he only ended up winning one Little league title and the, yeah. super, the super cup at the start. Yeah, and and also as well, you know, he could have gone to Barcelona as well, you know, mm. and. Uh, you know, his Spanish as well. He was kind of like goading them at the end by speaking like basic Spanish, like a child. But if you're an adult and you've been there four years, even even if you're not linguistically gifted, you you would have a better level. But again, it's it, it comes it comes down to attitude. You know, like I mean, and, and like in, like in my case, I mean, I'm not a professional footballer, but I I was at a workshop today, and I had a colleague of mine say to me, James, I didn't know you were British. She said, I thought you were Dutch. I said, and I joked with her, I said, well, my name's a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> and, but it's always important to be on it. It's always important say, to be modest, you know. I mean, you but say I'm, that, but then one of one of our greatest, yeah. Dennis. Yeah. No, well, it, I, it's a privilege for me to live in his home, to live in his country, in his hometown. And I interviewed his nephew, Roland, when he was playing yeah. for Ekaseh And I said to Roland, he was play for Brighton. And... Um, um, I said to him, I said, I said, this interview is all about you, of course. I said, but I can't leave here today without asking you about your uncle, who's, in my opinion, the greatest footballer my team's ever had and one of the best of his generation. Did he ever give you any advice? And he said to me, James, he said, to be honest, I didn't see him very much. He said, but I became a fan of Arsenal because of him. He said, you wouldn't see him for 80 minutes. And then he would give an assist or make a goal and they would win the game. And it's still... It still pains me how in the most important game we ever played, the greatest player we've ever known didn't even get a cameo role. Didn't even get a cameo role. He was on the bench as well, yeah. You know, and, he was and there. You t- he, he, take, he, Pires, he takes off Pires and keeps, keeps, keeps Hleb on. I mean, Hleb was all right, but he's no Bobby Pires, is he? No, Robert Pires had a good Pires had the long... Hleb has only just survived. So there's, there's an opportunity for Hleb to have that opportunity again some point down the line, maybe. But exactly. Perez, Dennis, they're coming to the end of their time. They could have made the difference. And then Rijkaard puts on Larson and then he changes mm. the game. And it, it remains mm. our most painful defeat because I tell you now, mm. Ryan, if we'd have won that game, the, the, the club would be in an entirely different stratosphere. Entirely different stratosphere. Could have had, now, had that to our name. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but now it's it's as if now, like I was saying to Alex as well earlier, it's it's great that the the, the women's game is making such progression. It's brilliant, and I'm delighted, delighted, fantastic. But when you go onto the club website now, it's as if, especially after the, a defeat against Aston Villa, against our former manager, that they will put more emphasis on the women's result than the men's. But one team has been around since 1886 and another one's been around for, what, maybe 35 years, maybe? 
maybe you know so uh, late eighties it was yeah when they, yeah, when they were allowed yeah, to play football uh, yeah well also as well with the women's game it's it's not just England if you go if you do a bit of research and you look at um, the Netherlands and you look at Colombia and you look at Uruguay I'm not saying what I'm what I'm about to say is not my opinion it's it's what was said at the time at the time in the Netherlands in Colombia in Uruguay they were worried about the effects of women playing football for mm. two reasons. The first one was their ability to continue to reproduce. And secondly, um, um, derogatory effects to their respiratory system. So mm. that they were now in, in terms of the time socially, you would say at, at those times, now those, those things are not, not that bad at that time, obviously in this day and age, that attitude is completely no longer relevant. But mm. back in the day, that, that's how things were. And it's great that the, the, the game is making so much progression in that respect, but also with the, you, you can try to have too much too quickly. For example, with, with equal pay. In terms of equal pay, um, when, um, when Neymar was at PSG, Neymar had a clause in his contract that when he was playing outside of Paris, every single time he went to the away ends to applaud them in Lille or Marseille or Nantes or um, Lyon, he would receive 18,000 euros. 18,000, just for applauding the away fans. Now, I don't think, and I've interviewed Beth Mead, I know her from her time at Sunderland as well. Mm. I don't think when Beth Mead is applauding the home fans and the away fans, that she's getting 18 grand a pop. Do you? No. No. And again, it's the commercialism as well. I mean, Arsenal releasing more kits than um, than uh, a dry than league, than league trophies. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's also as well, they bang the drum for climate change. What do you think the kits are doing then? I mean, I would love Arsenal at the I would love it Arsenal at the end of this season to say, right, this is our new home kit. Red and white for for the next three seasons. This is our away kit, yellow and blue for the next three seasons. In the event that we have a kit clash, we will work it out at that specific game. Easy, isn't it? Like we used to do. (laughs) Yeah, and it's but it's as if now, like the the European kit is green, green and blue. We're not Plymouth for El Betis. We're Arsenal. I mean, yeah. they talk about they talk about respect of the women's game. The women's kit is pink. pink so if you, want, you know, I'm sure there's certain women out there that think, oh, you know, they must mustn't show any respect when they're giving us a pink kit. Naturally, thinking that pink is the colour of a oh. of a girl of a woman, for example, when colour oh. palettes also change. Well, the but thing I, for me, I, that I, kit was as well. It was like it was, a, it was branded as a Stella McCartney kit, but for me. The patterning is the same as the men's away kit, just different colours. Yeah. yeah. For me, the patterning, like the swiggity lines and all that. So it's yeah, well, like... I mean, but eighty pounds a pop. That as well. I mean, back 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 in the day, an adult's kit was forty pounds, yeah. and the and the badge was that. hand stitched. Yeah. The badge was hand stitched, and now they're like they're like printed. But as I say, it all comes down to willpower. I, I will go to the ends of the earth to get a programme of every single game that I, got, that I attend, especially with Arsenal. But um, I, I don't need to buy a new shirt. I don't need one. You know, I mean, I've, I've still got my 1971 replicas. I couldn't tell you the last time I wore it. You know, I mean, obviously with um, the Lons game, you, you layers in the winter. You know, that yeah. that, that extra shirt under your, under your, that extra T-shirt under your jumper, that, that's wonders, you know. And it's small, small little details like that, and um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, yeah, just yeah, how, looks, how, that, how the club's changing, really. It's just uh, unreal, isn't it? Yeah, that Lons game myself. I went with a, had a, my fo- had a football shirt on, hoodie on, the coat, snood, gloves, hat, because it was yeah. So cold. <laughs> yeah, but and then and then yeah, and then I'm not being too old fashioned, but you have a cup of tea when you get home. Yeah, I mean, I, I always do that. I, I yeah. was at, I said Alkmaar on the Saturday, Saturday night here. I went to watch. I said Alkmaar against Almeida City, 
And uh, when I got home, I uh, had a cup of tea, warm up again. And um, yeah, I'm hopeful of another Champions League game in the last 16. But mm. it really does depend on um, on the opponent, Ryan. Because as I say, yeah. it's, a, it's a win-win. You know, everything I've done before, especially with the logistics involved from Amsterdam, I won't be doing again. But mm. if something new comes up, then um, I'll, I'll try my I'll try my very best. Yeah, in terms of Sam's comment there, we get the pink it was last season, which both men and women wore. But the men only wore it, like, I think two or three times last season, which caused a bit of an angst because, obviously, like you say, the price, you, you bought it out of all three kits, everyone liked them. Yeah. The people bought people bought these kits, and you've only, the men only wore it, like, a handful, like, not even a handful of times. The girls yeah, wore it every Crystal away Palace game. They wore it, didn't they? Crystal Palace yeah. away. Palace and Bournemouth. Yeah. And I think that was it, really. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so, a black kit. It was just like, okay. But, you know, you're even even saying, you know, come on, you pinks. What's going on here? It, it is what it is. Um, so even that, even, even with that, you would have thought with the women's the women's away shirt this year, they would have, they would have thought of a different colour scheme just to be different from last season's pink kit. But well, they talk they talk about equality, which is really important. Give them red and white and yellow and blue. Stick with that. It's the same. Badge. They could have gone the yellow and blue route, technically, because we. Why not? Why not? I, I don't. The wake it we've got the men's the men the men's awake. I don't not class that as yellow. That is a luminous. No, wait, I mean, but again, it's 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 um you know Islington FM. We're originally from Plumstead, you mm. know, and people have short memories. If if we hadn't moved north of the river, our rivals would be Charlton. But again, people have yeah, short memories. Yeah, if we hadn't moved, yeah. That'd be on, like, yeah, Martin Nelly, Saka out of the garden, suddenly was scoring the pink kit. Yep. Um, yeah. But going back to obviously tomorrow, in terms of, in terms of a, uh, just a, just a bit of a recap on PSV, because obviously last season, obviously, we've had Nestroy Wood, the manager, he left it back yeah. into the last season. Yeah. Obviously, we've played, we got him in this draw, we got him in a draw match day one, we beat him 4 0. What, how, how are they actually doing? Because I think they played final, didn't they lose against final? No, they've won 15 out of 15. I won 15 out of 15. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Domestically, and they've got 45 points in the goal difference of plus 46. It's a much more mature PSV than uh, what oh, they have last year. And they're delighted to be in the last 16, but they also know mm. that they will finish second. But they they have a chance oh, against... Oh, they already qualified that day, no matter what yeah, happens. Yeah, they're qualified due to what oh, happened okay. um, with them winning in Seville, in Seville and us uh, battering Lons. You oh, know, so Joey Fields oh, yeah. having a good season. Uh, Luke de Jong is, is evergreen and Peter Boss, who I remember seeing him manage Heracles when he got them up into the Eredivisie when they first got up and they drew nil-nil here in Amsterdam and I remember walking past, um, I, 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 walked, I walked down the, the, the seats and then to go out of the exit and I actually walked behind him and he was he was like, he had his fists in the air and he was, you know, because for Heracles to, uh, Heracles Almelo to draw in Amsterdam was a massive, uh, was a massive coup and um, just goes to show. And, you know, but he's, he's a very astute manager. You know, I'm, I'm mm. secretly hoping that um, after PSV, he'll become a national team manager because I think he can give uh, the Netherlands that little bit something extra. And uh, no, he's a very good manager, Peter Boss. And uh, I think he, he, by his own admission, by his press conference today, he just wants to use the game against Arsenal, uh, Ryan, as a marker to see how much they've improved from the last time they played us. So uh should be very interesting indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so both qualified. So there's, a bit, 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 there's nothing really to play for for both teams then, really. Because well, we've, we've qualified anyway. We won our group. They're qualified as well. So it's... A, It'll be interesting how both teams approach it in terms of teams and yeah. Well, I, I think I'd like to think I'd like to think we'll remain professional, Ryan. I mean, as I say, our, our recent form in Europe. You, you, losing, you say this, but Mikel Arteta and David Ray in the goalkeeping situation, yeah, that's well, yeah. But well, I, I, Ramsdale didn't have the greatest game in Eindhoven last. Um, no, no. But what my point last, is, the whole we talk we talked about Southgate before in terms of he's he's mindset, but. Mikel Arteta hasn't exactly covered himself in glory in the situation of the goalkeepers this this season in terms yeah. of dropping Ramsdale, like bringing Rayo in, yeah. dropping Ramsdale when he was in, he had not, his form wasn't that bad, but now persisting no matter what with Rayo, even though he, he's clearly struggling with the pressure. Yeah. Instead of taking him, him out of the five for a bit, 
to reassess things, he keeps well, pushing them under, under the bus, basically. Well, I, I think if he doesn't pick Ramsdale tomorrow, I think it's very cruel and quite personal. Uh, yeah. Last season, last season I, I was at the European games that Ramsdale played. I was yeah. at the um, away game in Eindhoven and the home game against Zurich, and he, he didn't have great games in both. But he also hasn't had the opportunity to redeem himself. And I think that's the saddest thing. You know, yeah. Ramsdale, Ramsdale is a massive reason as to why we are playing in this tournament. You know, and, yeah. I, and, and, and if he doesn't play tomorrow, um, I, I would view it as becoming quite personal. But you also know what's happened. Um, um, Arteta has signed Raya with the intention to buy him in the summer and then sell Ramsdale for an awful lot of money. Hence why the recent five-year deal. And as I say, with Ramsdale, I mean, he was unlucky in Eindhoven last year and, and against Zurich as well. And um, But he hasn't had the opportunity to redeem himself. And I think that's the saddest thing. As I say, he's not a poor goalkeeper, but I mean, in European competition, I mean, he will be chomping at the bit to prove in Europe he has improved, but he hasn't had the opportunity yet. I mean, I this couldn't is... believe that he didn't play against Lons. And if he doesn't play tomorrow, I, he's got every right to look for a move in January, not just because of England. I mean, England, if you're not part of the inner circle, you've got no chance anyway. But even yeah. for... Oh, oh back. Even, even for his own professional career in that respect. No, exactly. And the... <laughs> People sort of laid into his dad a few weeks, a couple of weeks back when he went when he went on the hybrid squad with Sophie and Kevin Campbell, because obviously they he went on he was invited on and it was at a time where his son's being dropped and he wanted to get his thoughts and see how and ask about Aaron if Aaron's okay, how he's dealing with it, how, how he's approaching the situation, and obviously because it because of the situation, the media have jumped onto it, but the fans jumped on it as well. And all the ones that are sort of Arteta can do no wrong or Raya can do no wrong, of digging up, going in at Nick and the corner, Aaron and all that, and it's, it's it sort of seems. And then after that, it was, it was just before we played Brentford as well at that time frame. Yeah, and that, the mistake, just, the mistake at Brentford as well, you know, which yeah, the throwing into he didn't know whether yeah. to, to kick it or to throw it because his confidence was shot. Oh, this is what I'm, this is what. I was going to go on to say, obviously, Brentford, at the first half, you could, you could tell there was nerves, not just because of the situation of his dad going on a podcast and everyone making a big meal out of it. Just want to add on to that, that no one had a problem with Nick going on that podcast three other times beforehand when Nick, when, Matt, when Aaron was number one. Yeah. But suddenly, because Aaron's number two and his, and his dad's been asked a question about the situation, Suddenly, everyone's making a big deal out of it, which has added more pressure along with everything else that's going on at the club with Green Aaron and the club, whatever. Yeah, Brentford comes on, you could tell that first half the nerves are there. Yeah, before the mistakes, you made two mistakes, you recovered from that. Second half came out more solid, more professional. Yeah, and then after the game, when I was asked specifically about Aaron, like before in the build up, he's asked about Kai Havertz, he's going to win in goal. And I said, comes back, oh, he's fantastic, I'm so happy for him, da 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 da, individual, happy for him. Other players, he got to Adam Ramsdale. He face drops like thunder. He goes, just happy for the team. Yeah. It's like he's purposely now isolating him. I yeah. don't know why. Well, aside, I, aside from potentially this podcast appearance from his dad. Yeah, well, even in terms of the podcast appearance, Ryan, I draw on my own experience. As I was a football writer for seven years and hung up my pen recently and over 400 interviews with professional players and managers. I've known where players are going. Never once have I let it slip. I've known what's happening, who's going where. Never once have I let it slip because I've got far too much respect for the professional player and myself. But mm. now it's as if, oh, I know where he's going. They're doing this, they're doing that. It's hearsay. The careers are being built on hearsay and gossip. And mm. that just goes to show there's an awful lot of sheep in there. You know, I've known at least where five players are going in my time. Not once has it been revealed. I even had one club tell me. I didn't even have to ask them. They told me. And I said, and I, and I, when they told me that, I said, well, okay, well, you have my word. I, 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 they didn't even have to say to me, can you keep it quiet? 
because I came back to them and said, I've got more, I'm a professional. It won't come from my end. I could have easily gone on Twitter at the time and say, so-and-so is going here. But mm. no, again, you're either a professional or you're not. And, and what, you, what you're seeing now is you, you see with like certain YouTubers and influencers, it's as if they speak for the club. You, you must be joking. And also as well, they haven't played professional games. They haven't interviewed players and managers in foreign languages. They haven't um, been aware of what's gone on outside of things. They couldn't, they couldn't translate a transcript from Dutch to English in a blink of an eye, could they? Making sure that everything's done by the book. It would have to be in English, otherwise they've got no chance. Whereas in my case, mm. it can be in English, Dutch or Spanish, so it doesn't matter. But again, people are different. But um, yeah, it's just a changing face of football, I'm afraid. And mm. I wonder about the, the future, you know, in 10 years' time, we'll have social media picking the start in 11. We'll have, we'll have polls about should the manager stay? Be like Elon, it'd be, it'd be like Elon Musk polls, wouldn't it? Should he stay? Should he go? 70% say yes, so we will do what they say. Again, again, I mean, I've got no horse in that race, but I find it extremely peculiar how someone chooses to pay so much for literally a notice board. You choose to pay all that money for a notice board. I used to have Twitter. I closed it down and people said, oh, you had 8,000 followers. Why did you close it down? I closed it down because my daily job is working for the Amsterdam City Council as a Londoner, which is a massive privilege. But the main reason I closed it down was because I had the media employees of Cholton, Queen's Park Rangers and Millwall expecting me to do their job for them. And it was driving me around the bend. Any of those three clubs could have rang me up and says, James, um, could you do a part-time job maybe... Um, maybe a hybrid of uh, part-time at the city council and part-time working for us. Or they could have said, James, can we tempt you, can we tempt you back to, to England after almost two decades away by offering you a position within the media, club, media side of our football club? But they didn't. But I didn't want to be confronted with that almost every day of the week. So I just thought, you know, enough's, enough's enough. But um, I, I don't miss it. I have... I have LinkedIn. If people want to get hold of me, they can get hold of me. And, uh, you know, we just uh, sometimes jump on your show. And mm. I only really do your show when asked. And uh, mm. and can and follow about European football. And, and that's me now. Don't feel the need to do anything else. And, and also with... I've been on your channel for quite some time, Ryan, and also Alex's. I've also been on other channels. And as we've spoken about before, sometimes the knowledge can be so powerful it goes over people's heads. They're made to look silly and they don't want to look silly. So it'll be like, oh, I can't invite James back because he'll make me look silly. No, not deliberately. My knowledge is my knowledge and my experience is my experience. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. But some of them, they'd rather protect themselves and make themselves look good rather than help you know, educate fans and people who like football. But um, it's just the way it is, I'm afraid. Yeah, and I, uh, it, it is a, it's still a suspect, by the way, in terms of social media and that side of things. But um, yeah, yeah, you, you don't miss much on social media, trust me. No, um, no I'm, reading a lot, I'm reading a lot of books. Uh, as I say, Mako's autobiography was great. Um, currently yeah. reading Jimmy, Jimmy Greaves' autobiography, which makes me admire him even more, even though he's a Spurs man. But, uh, mm. you know, what, what a character. And, and one thing I was thinking about as well, Ryan, you know, he went abroad to AC Milan in the 60s when British people didn't go abroad full stop, never mind the holidays or that kind of thing. So mm. very courageous what he did and, uh, you know, the greatest striker the country's ever produced. So it uh, just goes to show, doesn't it? It does. And obviously we've lost, we've lost Terry Venables in the last few weeks as well. Obviously he's, he was one of the pioneers in terms of a manager going going abroad, yeah. put his name out there, Barcelona, do what he did at Barcelona and all that. Yeah. Um. So Bobby obviously followed on behind him and things. So, yeah. Touching on managers that are going abroad, but I'll ask you again because it's sort of a recurring thing every time we come on nowadays. But Ten Hag is not getting any better from him, is it, the poor boy? Well, <laughs> poor man. The big, the biggest thing. Uh, one thing I will say is wages at Ajax were eight hundred thousand euros. That were, were his wages mm. at Ajax. Anyone who goes from 800,000 euros 
to 11.2 million pounds, that would send anyone do that, wouldn't it? Even though half of it goes to the tax man. But yeah. also as well, Ryan, um, you know that Manchester United is built on youth. You yeah. know that that's the support pillars of Manchester United. What do you do when you get to Manchester United? The best youth prospect in James Gardner, you let him go. James Gardner is good. James Gardner is good enough to play for Man United. Why isn't he playing for United? And and also as well, uh, Ten Hag is not from Rotterdam. He's not from Eindhoven. He's not from Amsterdam, where the international community is from the east. So his his linguistic ability is not spot on. And uh, you know I'm here to help him if he needs help, but I, I don't think he'll be asking me. I try I try to do the same with Louis Macau as well, but um, I think it fell on deaf ears. But um, still, never mind. But um, yeah, I think if things don't improve for him, I think he could well be gone. But again, it's it's how you approach things. I mean, one final point I wanted to make before I sign off tonight, Ryan, is there's so many good managers out of work. It's not it's not funny anymore, and and no. it's not about. It's no longer about checking if a job comes up. Oh, is that a good fit for me? What can I give that football club? Now, jobs come up and they just take them just to stay in the game. And Mm. and that's also wrong. I mean, how is it that Danny Cowley hasn't got a job? You know, how is it that Glenn Oldwell hasn't got a job? You know, Chris Wilder's recently returned to management, but even that, to have struggled at Middlesbrough and struggled at Watford and then to get that Premier League job. And they say never go back, but football makes its own rules. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, And also, where's the next generation of managers coming from? That's, that's another thing. Why, why, would no you, why, why would you put yourself through it? I mean, pe- people, people say to me about scouting and that kind of thing, because I, I do it as a hobby. I mean, I saw, I saw a really good player on Saturday night, Damien van Bruggen at Almeida City. He's the captain. But I, as I say to colleagues and friends, scouting's the most poorly paid part of football. Why would I break myself to earn a pittance? You know, when I take more pleasure out of identifying players and following their career. That Alfonso Pedraza, I've mentioned his name on this channel many times, he's now a fully-fledged Spanish international. But some Arsenal fans and some YouTubers and influencers, oh, no, I've never heard of him. Well, no, because you don't know what you're looking at. You're more concerned with the please like, subscribe, and so that I can continue to do what I do, which is it's like a form of like perpetuation for some of the bigger um, YouTubers. I mean, in your case, it's just a, a football fan and a football man talking sense about football which is why I'm happy to come on. But you've got some YouTube channels, they've got so much weight behind them. But where did that weight come from? It come from investments, didn't it? Yeah. Investments as regards to advertising. You know, yeah. oh, please subscribe to this thing, or please subscribe to that thing, or we want to, we want to offer you this, or we want or use for, use for code my name on my yeah. channel. But again, it's... And you'll get 20% concept. off of doing this and doing this and doing that. Yeah, well... Boohoo but, Man. Boohoo Man's our sponsor this week. Da, 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 da. Yeah, but it's, it's not real football, is it? No. I mean, I could write a book of all the things that I've experienced, but I don't have to because because uh, I've been there. I don't, mm. need to, I don't need to be told, oh, that player's really good. Is he? Uh, no. Like, people talk about XG and surface-level goal contributions and all that jargon. Not interesting. I'll go by the eye test, to be honest, what yeah, I see. Yeah, that's what I mean. Your eyes don't lie, do you? <laughs> Hence my, hence my displeasure and my disdain at the moment with David Ray because I've seen what I've seen what I'm seeing. I'm not liking it, but exactly. it's continually be backed. <laughs> yeah, but people were like, yeah, yeah, XG, XG yeah. times to one. You know, surface yeah. level goal contributions, pre-assist jargon. But um, playing out still, from the back and things like that. His distribution is so it. superior. Okay, yeah, cool, let me yeah. with it. It's, it's as if that, as I say, it's as if fans are being conditioned in this day and age, Ryan. But um, it's been a pleasure as always, and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Maybe have a quick chat next week regarding the Champions League draw. Yeah, can do. When when is the draw? Monday. Uh, it's Monday. But... Monday, eighteenth uh, of December. We're an hour ahead here, so I think it's half past. I think it's half past. I think it's midday our time, or maybe even half twelve. So, but, but still, we'll, maybe, we'll work at we'll, we'll work eleven, half eleven. Once I. Once I, there's probably advertise it on here over here in the yeah. UK. Probably advertise it. So once I know, it's, uh, 
So maybe maybe we'll speak quickly next Monday and I can give a reaction on it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be going live for the draw anyway. But yeah, if you want to pop on afterwards and just give your reaction to not just our draw, but all the any other key yeah, no, draws no. that come out, so that you can sort of signify that, that could be a tasty one. That could be one yeah. to watch. Yeah, no, okay, that sounds good. Maybe we can do the same time as tonight. But it's been a pleasure as always, yeah. pal. Take it easy, and I'll speak to you next Monday. Yeah, no worries, mate. And with that, guys, we are going to wrap things up. Uh, James, what, you, what a score prediction tomorrow? Ooh, where you go? Uh, one one. One one. Um, one. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a draw as well. I do think because both is it both teams are qualified. It doesn't mean they fight for. Yeah. Yeah, no, but so again, sort of a... winning Eindhoven will be difficult, you know, it's uh, yeah. really good at home, so uh, I would say 1-1. One, one. Yeah, and I, don't, I, don't, I, think, I think there might be a couple, uh, one or two um, swaps in our team from from the, from the Saturday's game. Yeah. But I don't see major, major changes, and is only, because I think that's going to be the majority of our set of game. We weren't good enough on Saturday, so you're not getting the best bite. Prove yourself tonight. And then we've got Brighton on Sunday, so which is not going. Yeah, it'll be tough. Huh? Yeah. Then we've got Liverpool. Woo-hoo. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it doesn't get any easier. But uh, as, as I've said, is, I'm, I'm I'm happy to die on that hill with uh, Mikel. Mikel, yeah. No trophy, yeah. no job. No trophy, no job. Simple as. Yeah, but it'll be four years. It will be yeah. end of this season. Be four years yeah. come August. So. Uh, no trophy, no job. Because as a professional player once said to me, without your history, you're nothing. Hmm. And we're used to having barren spells, 53 to 71, 71 to 89. Um, 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 nine, years, nine years under Wenger, five years, four years. We're used to barren spells. But if Not we like this. continue to be what we are, then um, no trophy, no job. But the thing is, especially in terms of the Wenger nine-year spell as well, the night between the, obviously the 2005-2014 FA Cup, there wasn't the level of investment into the team like it has been for the four years under exactly. Arteta. Exactly. So, okay. 200, 200 games. And then it's as if he pats himself in the back, I've got 200 games. Okay. But you're extremely, extremely lucky. You know, but still, mm. it is it is what it is. But um, we should speak next Monday, pal. All the best. Yeah, no worries. And we'll obviously come May, we'll see see where we stand in terms of trophies. We've got to win yeah, one of both, them. We have to win one of the three. A trophy, otherwise, uh, Mikel will need his P45. Yes, well, yeah, especially after last season. Yeah, getting, getting so close and then not getting over the line. But yeah, we will cross that bridge when we come to it. But I'll be back tomorrow for the match day watch along. James goes. Thanks, James, for that. Um, so yeah, I'll be back for the match day watch along. It's an early kickoff tomorrow for the, for the Arsenal. It's a five forty-five UK time kickoff, so we'll be going live about I think now five forty-five quarter past five. We'll go live half hour before kickoff. Get all the build up all underway and all that. There'll be no Liam tomorrow. He's gonna be. He's got other stuff. He's got. He's got other stuff tomorrow. He's gonna have to deal with. So he's gonna have the night off tomorrow, and hopefully be well enough in well enough to be back on Sunday for the Brighton game. Um, but obviously, as I say, so we've got PSV Arsenal tomorrow. We then on Wednesday we've got the North London derby in the Conti Cup in term in its. I mean, we're at home for that. Isn't it Bournemouth, Arsenal versus Tottenham in the in the, in the women's uh, Conti Cup for that on Wednesday. Then the Thursday women's show, Thursday the Thursday all Arsenal show with Ange hosting and myself and whoever we can find to come on for that um, on Thursday. Nothing planned for Friday, as far as I'm aware. Saturday, I'm trying to think now, because obviously the main are playing on Sunday. Let's have a look at the fixtures quickly, just to confirm there's no clashing on the Arsenal side of things for the girls. Because of the league, the WSL next weekend, so make sort of see where we're playing. And I can tell you, oh bloody hell, here we go. Hopefully there's no clashing. So we've got obviously Wednesday and then Saturday. Yes, yeah, Saturday. So there's no clash whatsoever. So North London Derby on Wednesday. All Arsenal show Thursday. Nothing Friday. Saturday, nice early kickoff. 12 o'clock kickoff UK time on Saturday. So about half 11 we'll go live on Saturday. Get the build up for that. Hopefully Liam will be around, be around to join us for that and might get Lot, Lottie on as well. She's available. Because there's an away game at their toilet bowl. And on a Sunday, we've obviously, that's it. So obviously, match of the day will make a comeback this this Saturday as well. And then Sunday, 
Arsenal versus Brighton in the Premier League. That's a two o'clock kickoff, which will be fun. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, so it's going to be a very, very busy week for me by the looks of it. Bloody hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Gary's trip on tonight. Yep, Sam's just mentioned that. Yep, so Gary, I was a bit, Gary, Gary did mention this yesterday on Heat Week. He popped on for the second half. We at the end of the at the end of the stream, he mentioned that obviously he'll be doing his podcast tonight, half twelve UK time. Um, in the evening, half so half past midnight UK time, he'll be going live over where he is with his guests for the and doing a general roundup of um, Saturday's game against. Villa, and obviously they probably will touch on tomorrow's game as well themselves. Uh, aside from that, guys, though, I'm going to tap out. I've got other bits and pieces to do now. I'm going to get the audio up for this in about half hour's time, give or take. So if you have, if you have missed bits of this and listen to it back on the go, you can catch it on Spotify and all other audio platforms and apps in about half hour's time from now. So keep an eye out for that. Aside from that, if you haven't already, do please smash the like button, subscribe. Share the, share the link around as well on your group chats and social media in general. And we'll see you on the other side. And as always, up the Arsenal. Come on, you gunners.